It's the 19th hole with Michael Williams. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host, bringing you the best of golf and golf lifestyle. Uh, got a great show for you this week. It's the last week of the uh, PGA Tour season, the Tour Championship being conducted in Atlanta, Georgia at East Lake. Um, boys are lighting it up down there. Fun course to watch them play on, especially with the Bermuda grass. Now, I struggle with Bermuda. I don't even know how anybody consistently hits out of that rough. I, I don't play enough of it, you know, that golf that's far south to uh, to be any good at it. But um, it's it's sort of cool to see those guys struggle with it, too, quite frankly. Um, deep Bermuda is basically like hitting out of a bucket of wet ropes. And um, I love seeing that. Uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, we got a great show for you this week. We have uh, Sean Kane from the Kingdom at uh, Reynolds Lake Oconee. We had a new uh, product launch of wedges from TaylorMade. Uh, we had some Golf WRX boys down there to check it out, put some divots in the ground, and uh, give feedback on those clubs. But we have Sean Kane, who runs the Kingdom at uh, Reynolds Lake Oconee in Georgia, who was there uh, for that product launch for the new TaylorMade wedges. And he's going to give us some insight and background on uh, what's new, different, and special about that particular set of spoons. Uh, also joining us will be the boys from Tito's Handmade Vodka. The PGA Tour announced this week, among uh, uh, what a half a dozen announcements they've made, that uh, they have a new official vodka of the PGA Tour, which is Tito's Handmade. So we're going to have those boys come talk about the evolution of Tito's, how it came to be, why it's so darn good, what made the PGA Tour want to shake hands with these boys, and um, you know, maybe some suggestions for how you can get some in a glass and enjoy it yourself. Um, I think that's going to be fun. Um, I want to talk a little bit before we get into the show about this uh, declaration that the PGA Tour has made about uh, Bryson DeChambeau and heckling this whole thing. I think everybody's pretty much aware of how he has been getting the chance of Brooksy, Brooksy, Brooksy because of this uh, alleged feud that's going on between him and uh, and um, Bryson and Brooks, uh, Brooks Kepka. It's, I mean, to me, it's like a cold war. I mean, what what actually has happened with a feud? Is it's it's like a feud between you know a couple of uh, a couple of kids? I, I don't know, um, but it, it's it's come to the point where the fans have gotten involved, social media and all those things have uh, made this behavior uh, come to the front where people are diving in and heckling uh, DeChambeau. And you know, look, it's not just because of Brooks; it's because the dude is eminently heckleable, okay? He just he just is. You could heckle him for the way that he putts. You could heckle him for when he hits balls like 80 yards offline, you know, like once every fifth ball. Uh, it's it's there's a lot of things you could go after for that guy, but you know fans being what they are have decided to go after the Brooksy thing. So, uh this past Tuesday, PGA Tour commissioner Jay Monahan met with the media and addressed the issue. Um this according to this, I'm pulling uh, the quote from a uh, story on golf.com. Uh, this is Monahan. Before I open it up to questions, I just wanted to take a minute to address a topic that's been top of mind lately for our, for our players, fans, and of course, those of you in the media. I'm talking about fan behavior and the interaction with our athletes when that behavior crosses the line and what we should all be doing to address it when it does. Um, he avoided uh, using uh, DeChambeau's name in particular, but we all know who he's talking about. Monahan goes on, golf is not immune from unfortunate and disruptive behavior, although I would say we do have the very best fans in the world. This is just about a few bad actors. Um, we have to be intentional about our expectations for fan behavior, and I believe our fan code of conduct does that. By coming to a PGA Tour event, you're expected to contribute to a welcoming and safe environment by refraining from refraining from and reporting any unsafe, disruptive, or harassing behavior. Comments or gestures that undermine the inclusive and welcoming nature of the game will not be tolerated, nor will any harassment of players, caddies, volunteers, official staff, or other ex spectators. Fans who breach our code of conduct are subject to expulsion from the tournament and loss of their credential or ticket. Then he spoke about Brooks. Uh, the barometer that we are all using is the word respect. And to me, when you hear Brooksy yelled, or you hear any expression yelled, the question is, is that respectful or disrespectful? That has been going on for an extended period of time. 
to me at this point it's disrespectful and that kind of behavior that we're not and it's that's the kind of behavior we're not going to tolerate going forward um he talked also about overall civility values of honor integrity and respect and getting into first t territory there um so let's address this whole thing um you know we see this whole thing and people you know yelling brooksy a little bit and um you know, it's not at every hole. It's, you know, at some hole, it's that it's when, you know, he has issues. When he has a problem, he gets, he gets Brooksy, right? When he, um, when he uh, 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 hits a bad shot. But I don't think it's like all the time. I didn't see it happening all the time out there at Caves Valley. Um, so I'm going to, I just want to put this into, in, into context. First, you can put it in the context of other sports, because I don't think you can even imagine any other sport uh, talking about, uh, limiting in that way what fans can say in that way with something so imminently benign as Brooksy. I mean, we had uh, the NBA addressing fans who were yelling racial uh, comments at guys like Russell Westbrook and other players, James Harden. Um, so that is unacceptable. Okay. But if you could imagine like somebody being kicked out of an NBA stadium for chanting the name of an opposing nemesis player at this guy. I, I, I just can't see it. So there's no, clearly there, there's no uh, attempt at trying to be like the other sports or use them as a barometer for how you're going to do, to, to, to gauge acceptable behavior. So that behavior, that's over. So forget about other sports. Let's talk about golf. Let's talk about golf and what it always has been. Okay. Uh, so we've had, you know, people say, you know, we love the, the golf clap and the civility of the golf fan. To me, that myth blew up years ago, okay? I mean, as soon as get in the hole started, I mean, that was over. And there have been overserved, obnoxious fans on the course for decades. Decades. And I mean, at least the Tiger Woods era when crowds doubled, tripled, quintupled, whatever, okay? Jesus, look at what's going on in Phoenix every year. On that par three, on the 16th, good God. I mean, you got people booing, screaming, calling names, whatever, flashing guys. I mean, you could basically have half that place cleared out for any one thing they say during the day. When you got people sitting in the hot sun, drinking for eight hours, okay, and the rest is history. Um, so there's that. Um I want to go back even further into history because I talked about uh, for a second about in the NBA, like guarding against racial uh, epithets and really, really vile things being said by fans. Um, and I consider like chanting Brooksy not to be vile. Sorry, I don't. I think that's that puts him as rather brittle and thin skinned. So let's take the worst case. Have we ever seen that vile behavior on a golf course? Yes. You can go back as far as Charlie Sifford and Lee Elder and all these types of people. And I talked to Charlie Sifford personally before he passed away. It was a very um, emotional conversation for him and for me when he talked about the things that had happened to him, the things that he had been called that I will not say. I am tempted to say them um, just so you could feel the shock and the sting in your ears, even partially the way he felt it in his ears and his heart and in his spirit. Um, move forward to Lee Elder. Move forward to Tiger Woods. Tiger, I've been there on the course when Tiger was in his heyday and people were chanting things at him, would, would call him a monkey, you know, throw out the N-word. You'd hear it. And I never saw anyone kicked off a golf course for that. They just talked about, oh, it's the circus around Tiger. It's like a, it's like a circus. It's like a carnival. My ass. Okay, that's why that guy has three state troopers following him around every time he got on a golf course, okay? You talk about pressure, and you know, I've heard you know, the guys on NBC talking about, oh, the, the pressures of playing, you know, that the Bryson faces, the pressures, the pressures. Is he getting death threats? Because Tiger was getting death threats for his entire career. So unless Bryson DeChambeau was getting death threats from someone other than Brooksy, then I don't see it. I don't see if there's any comparison. I, give me something else. What else are you going through? What else you got? Um, let's go even further up and let's get out of the realm of the racial and the vile. Just the teasing, okay? 
What about Colin Montgomery? Colin Montgomery must be ready to just, I, I, I don't know, just, just spit his teeth out because that guy, as good a golfer as that guy is, that Hall of Fame golfer, Colin Montgomery, he never won on the PGA Tour and he never won I Submit, Your Honor, because of the way he was treated on the golf course. He was treated like dog do. Okay? Can you imagine Mrs. Doubtfire? Monty, Monty, Monty. For his entire PGA Tour career. What did he do to what did he do to deserve that? He showed his disappointment when he hit a bad shot on his face. That's basically it. That's basically it. The guy was bullied. It's absolutely bullied. Did anybody reach out to protect him? Nope. And I want to reach out to another example of someone who gets bullied like that all the time. And uh, it's Paige Spiranak and other influencers like her, people who are working hard to bring people into the game of golf. Um, and a lot of, of, of women who are on the uh, LPGA Tour who are harassed, who, who I mean, you had people um, talking about Michelle Wee and the way that she putts. And it's like, you know, when she's on the course, you would hear people talking about, you know, looking up her skirt. I mean, if I guess my point is, if there's going to be a need for protection, let's make it universal. OK, I, I applaud the initiative. If, if, if Jay Monahan wants to protect his players like that, is, are we protecting the players or are we, are we protecting one player? Are we protecting one guy because we feel that he's a meal ticket and we can't have anything standing in the way of this guy performing at his best because we feel that his good performance benefits us on the bottom line. Okay. That seems to me a little bit um, unsavory as a, as a, as a proposition. Uh, if it's to protect everybody and then let's protect everybody. Let's have that. Let's have that policy go for the guy who's at the bottom, who's getting heckled. Okay. As well as the guy who's at the top of the leaderboard. Or the guy who, who, especially the guy who makes himself a target by what he says and what he does. He makes himself a target. He does it to himself. He attracts the slings and arrows for every, every single thing that he does. And if he goes and it competes in this long drive contest <coughs> and fails and hits a bunch of balls out of bounds and gets disqualified. Guys start hollering when he comes on the course, DQ or OB. They're going to get kicked out for that? I, I just, look, I just want it to be consistent. I understand that you want to control fan behavior. I, I, I think there's a lot of things that happen on a golf course with fan behavior that needs to be addressed and needs to have some people escorted out. But to start necessarily with this guy and some people chanting Brooksy seems like an odd choice. Okay, let's address the whole thing. Okay, not just some dudes yelling Brooksy because that's actually probably good for the game. It makes it more appealing as you get into the world of top golf. You got guys now who are coming to the course. Careful what you wish for because you got a bunch of people who have learned the game through top golf, right? So their whole ethos, they probably have more. They have probably more, <laughs> they're more likely to have a hip flask in their bag, you know, than a three iron. So it, 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 it you have these people coming to the game who are, are, they have the fan behavior that they bring from the basketball game or the baseball game or the football game they go to. Okay. They can express their feelings. You brought them in, you invited them. Okay. So unless you're going to have them, Make it explicitly clear that you can't be a fan here the way you're a fan other places. Make it clear, not just to the players, not just to a small group of people. Make that abundantly clear. Run that PSA. Make golf your thing, but be quiet while you're doing it. You know, you, you got to, again, I'm not criticizing the thing. What I, I always say, the hardest thing it is to do for an adult in life is not be a hypocrite. It's really hard to do. 
really hard to do, okay? So I'm just saying, let's look out for everybody and not just protect, you know, the prize bull. Okay, let's, 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 let's make this a consistent policy if we're going to do it. Or just let fans be fans as long as they're not yelling Brooksy in his backswing, as long as they're not yelling Brooksy when he putts. And I haven't seen anybody doing that. I used to happen to, to Colin Montgomery all the time. That guy couldn't find a quiet space to hit a, hit, a, hit a ball, to make his swing, to hit a putt. They'd be chanting the entire time that he's playing and trying to hit his golf ball. I don't see people doing that to Brooks or to, uh, to, to Bryson. I don't see people doing that. Um, anyway, it's, um, it's, a, it's a thing. And, um, you know, I guess it, it gets people talking about golf. Um, that has its, you know, its blessings and its curse. But, you know, this whole thing, this whole pandemic thing has brought more people into golf. And what golf is beginning to find out is that, you know, people are people. You know? People can be complete jerk-offs. And, you know, you're going to find that behavior out there. And you're going to have to deal with it. You've got to accept the people. Modify to the people. Have players be a bit more thick-skinned. Something. Something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I, I, no, I am. I'm sure about how I feel about it, but I'm sure. I'm not sure if um, I need to talk to Jay Monahan. That's what I need to do. I need to get his thoughts, not as a, a snippet or a soundbite. I need, I need to talk with him thoroughly. We have great conversations, and um, I'm gonna see if I can get one of those on here for you to listen to. If we can have one of those conversations about this and other things. Tour's wrapped up, so his schedule should be freeing up. So I'll see what I can do about. Um, airing that conversation. But those are my thoughts on the matter. Um, I'd love to hear yours. Hit me up on social media. You know where I am. Twitter, it's Michael on TV. And uh, Instagram, Michael Williams TV. Um, hit me up. Let me know your thoughts. Um, those are some of mine. Anyway, let us pivot. Um, we got a great show. We got the boys from Reynolds Lake County, the kingdom, uh, to talk about TaylorMade's new wedges. And we got the boys from Tito's Handcrafted Vodka to talk about their smooth and delicious product, um, much like this smooth and delicious show. Uh, I dare to say. Uh, so grab yourself a beverage of choice, a salty snack, settle in, and uh, enjoy the show. We'll be right back. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRX. Welcome back to the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host. And, uh, you know, I get a chance to go to a lot of places that have uh, not only great places to play golf, but uh, they have these great facilities to help make you a better player. Um, part of that is how you play, your technique, that sort of thing, teaching. Uh, there's that component to it. And there's also the equipment, you know. It's not just the uh, archer, it's the arrow, right? So you got to get both of those things right. And uh, there's very few places that get it right as well as and completely well as the uh, the kingdom at Reynolds Lake Oconee down in uh, Georgia. Uh, one of my favorite places to go, especially around uh, Masters time. It's great to, to stop in there on the way to or on the way back from uh, Augusta. And for some people, they even spend the week there, the Masters week there. And that's something that our next guest can talk to you about. And that guest is someone who's very, very familiar with uh, uh, the kingdom at Reynolds Lake Oconee, being himself the executive director. Please welcome our good friend, Sean Kane. Uh, Sean, welcome to the 19th hole. How you doing, brother? Yes, sir. Uh, good to have you on the show. And uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know, we're getting rain like crazy up here. You know, Ida's crushing us. Are you, are you like soaked with rain? Are you in sunshine? How, how's the weather where you are? Uh, fortunately, we're in the sunshine. So all of it went uh, west and then north of us, sort of circled around. It's been pretty windy today, but that's about it. Okay. Well, uh, I'll send so, you some. Pic- I'll send you some pictures so you can enjoy enjoy the lovely weather that we are having. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want you to wouldn't want you to miss it. Uh, and like I was saying in the open, you know, I, I kind of uh, tell people about uh, you know my visits to uh, the kingdom at uh, Reynolds Lake Oconee and their reaction is sort of a split between um, just outright jealousy and, uh, you know, 
I guess it actually is probably about 90% pure jealousy, you know, because if you haven't been there, that's some place that a lot of people want to go. Um, before we start to talk about uh, products and the things that you have going on there right now, uh, give us a little overview of what the, the kingdom at RLO is all about. So obviously we're a tailor-made facility and we're very similar to the one in Carlsbad, but the two main differences is their facility out there is a lot more R&D based. And so because of that, they have to limit um, a lot of their traffic. So they don't get near as much traffic as we do um, just because there's a lot of times where things are shut off. So mainly they just service the West Coast um, and they service their, you know, staffers and their the the staffers, the members that are at the, their elite staffers golf courses on the West Coast. So that leaves us up to pretty much the entire rest of the nation. So uh, each year, I haven't done it this year, but in and then obviously in 2020, we had a limited uh, access. But in 2019, we had customers from uh, 21 different states. Wow. come in to see us so so it's pretty much a national you know we have we have a national coverage and uh that's it keeps us busy uh we've got people coming from all over uh having a private airstrip you know 10 minutes away makes it really easy for people to fly in and fly out on a day trip as well which happens a pretty good pretty good bit so um it's the biggest thing it sets us apart we're open to the public we have, you know, pretty much anything that a tour player has access to, that's what you have access to at the kingdom. So we have the full shaft matrix, full grip matrix, uh, and irons, wedges, woods, everything. So we have tour only stuff, you know, that the general public have access to from the shaft companies. So it's uh, there's pretty much uh, no person and no you know no genuine unique setup that we can't pretty much tweak and get it right. Gotcha. And uh, you know of everything that you said, the big selling point for me I know is the private airstrip that's ten minutes away because you know my G five I don't like to you know take that <laughs> you know too far away from a facility. So that that makes it really convenient for guys like me kidding uh, Absolutely. <laughs> uh but the what what you did so they say that was that uh, you have everything that's available to a tour player that's available to the public and that's kind of a big deal and you're not kidding when you say that because i know that if you come down as i was talking about masters week before you come down during that week and you're very likely to see a contingent of players who are uh tweaking and making adjustments in advance of seeking out a, a, a green jacket, right? I mean, you get a bunch of tour players. That whole tailor-made staff is very likely to drop through your place on the way down to Augusta, no? Yeah, it's, uh, it used to happen a lot more um, than it has. But, you know, obviously these past two years, um, Masters Week was just thrown for a loop. So I think in the future, it, it will probably pick back up to, to what it used to be. Uh, Justin Rose and Jason Day and Sergio back in the day spent a lot of time there uh, leading into that week. And they were able to use it, you know, for themselves, not only for that week, but basically as, you know, sort of a, you know, mid mid first part of the year, you know, relook at equipment, you know, retest things and everything, because it's sort of, it's, it's, that you don't really want to do it during an event. So a lot of times they take the week before that off. And, um, you know, so that's, that's what used to happen a lot. So some of the scheduling changes have, have, you know, uh, went against that in the last couple of years, but I think that we'll probably start to, to begin to see that again. Uh, definitely the way it used to be in the past. Yeah, I got you. The scheduling the last two years of what's I mean, what's normal <laughs> over the course of the last two years? You know, the answer is nothing. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll probably see a return to that as we see a return to 
other things that uh, get more normal. We're talking to Sean Kane. He's the executive director of The Kingdom at Reynolds Lake Oconee. You're listening to the 19th hole. Michael Williams, your host. Uh, I know that you had some uh, some folks down there who were getting ready to uh, release some new product. Do you want to talk about the, the new product now? It is release day. Yes, yeah, so on Friday, the MG3 wedges and the new 790 irons uh, launch. So MG3 wedges come with, uh, we've expanded the bounce options uh, down into the 50 and 52 degree. Um, so there's a low bounce option in that. And then obviously there's another thing. So they added a 46 degree wedge for some of those guys that actually want a wedge wedge and not a set wedge. So just gives them a little bit more versatility from there. And they changed the grind some as well. And a little bit more heel relief. And they also, they gave what they call it a ski slope. So basically it's, it's softening the leading edge and making it to where it, it interacts with the turf a lot better and has a tendency not to dig quite as much. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's just a, you know, turf interaction. Things can be, wedges can be looked at, you know, many, many, many different ways. But the first thing that we look at more than anything is how the club and, and how the player typically interact with the turf. So, um, you know, not only fitting them for wedges, but with a lot of our clients, we, you know, try to help them you know, get a little bit better action, you know, nothing that's going to be instantaneous, but it's something for them to, to work on and, you know, try and go in and, and get their uh, movement a little bit better to allow them to, you know, play a lot better and strike the ball a lot better. And so with, with these added options and wedges coming up, it's going to make a big difference going forward on just, it's going to expand our, ability to fit even more people even more fine-tuned and uh, they got a great look to them they also added a new groove feature that just gonna, gives it a little bit more spin around the greens and pretty much the spin characteristics uh, remain the same on pole shots but around the greens just going to give it a little bit more spin so that's pretty much what everybody always wants and so uh, we're really excited about it. And, yeah, so we had five guys in. The R&D team from uh, Carlsbad came out and, and did a wedge presentation and all that. So it went really well. And uh, it's interesting that you say the R&D team because some of the other um, wedge manufacturers, the, um, the products they produce are very much uh, associated with a one person's name in particular. Right. We know, you know, who some of those names are. Is is there a is there a single name that sort of dominates the um, the R and D process with the tailor made wedges, or is that more sort of a a a groupthink uh, product that you have there? Yeah. So Greg Cesario is sort of the the wedge czar, and so he he is very influential with the R and D team as they're going through that process of uh, developing, you know, the wedges. So he, he actually came out to the event and he was the presenter and took the took the guys through, you know, all, all the R&D aspects and what they thought about it and everything like that and, and, you know, really drilled down on those things that I had mentioned of the changes that they made, you know, and, and they took a lot of that just, you know, feedback off of the tour, um, you know, feedback, from a lot of the fitting events. And so they just, you know, been putting all that stuff together for about a year and a half to, you know, to come out with this new version. And it's, they've done a great job. It's, it's the best wedge that I've ever played by far. Uh, that little ski slope on the front is really, really good. It, 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 it's amazing something that small could change the turf interaction that much. Hmm. So, and I think it's going to be a, a huge hit for us. 
And, and we talked about uh, input from professionals and input from the market. I know that we even had uh, some folks from Golf WRX who came out to take a look at uh, the clubs and give some feedback on it. How much does, does player impact or player input, I would say, or market input from, from outlets like ours or uh, other outlets, how much does that figure into the development process? Well, I think it's huge because, you know, the thing with wedges is that's that you have the unique ability to where you can, you know, tailor things, you know, like Tiger has his own grinds and they sell them, you know, and so there's so much uniqueness that you can change in a wedge. So, you know, it's not like you're trying to make, you know, one wedge for, you know, one like certain set of persons. So you've got different grind and, and bounce options in so when you have that, like getting that feedback from the customer is is huge because, you know, not the, the tour players can can tweak their wedges however they want to, and they can grind them down and change little things on them, you know, if they if they so want to. But you know, when you're looking at something that, you know, most guys unfortunately, most golfers probably don't get fit for wedges. They just go and buy them, right. you know off the rack or order them so with that system you know it, it there's a lot that helps you go into it and you know taking that customer feedback that you're getting that so you're basically speaking into that customer the same question that maybe they asked or commented on six eight months earlier in a fitting event you know or a year earlier in a fitting event and, mm -hmm. then, and then they see that language put into there and they're like oh man, this is great so it's not going to have a tendency to maybe dig a little bit on those end of the grain shots as much, you know? Um, so it's customer feedback is enormous. Um, we're talking to Sean Kane, the executive director of the kingdom, Reynolds Lake Oconee or the 19th hole, Michael Williams, your host. Um, uh, before we let you go, I just wanted to talk about the opportunity for people to come down and visit, uh, the kingdom. How do you do that? Do you go online? Is it, is it available? Uh, you know, 24 seven, 365. Well, what are, what are, what's the availability and how does someone uh, book their slot uh, to get out there? Yeah. So if you go online, it has our, our uh, email address on there. Um, you know, and basically you can go on and email us from that standpoint, or you can literally just call straight into the office and, you know, we'll just, you right off of there you know and just call in that's what most people do is you know call and we don't get a lot of email um most people just call straight in you know it's the phone number is 706-467-3563 directly into the office and we normally in a typical in the beginning of the year we normally are about six to eight weeks out typically um, and then this time of year, as things start to slow down, we move back to a three to four week, you know, window period. Those are on full fits. So if, if someone's just wanting to get a category fit or a single club fit, normally we can, uh, get something on it in a, in a time frame a little bit quicker than that. But most full fits are, you know, you're looking at a three to four week. So like right now we're booking into the first of October already. Gotcha. And the time between having a fitting and getting clubs, I know supply lines have been crazy, just like everything else for the last 18, 24 months. Um, what, what are the, what are the times looking like between getting a fitting and uh, getting a club in your hands? So on driver, fairway woods and hybrids, uh, you walk away with it that day. Nice. It's, it's irons and iron shafts that are all over the place and it just depends on what you end up getting because you know and there's no rhyme or reason it's 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 basically like the uh shaft roulette so whatever whatever you get fit into you may get lucky and it may hit you know it may hit black if you put it on black and we, we've got what you've got in, in stock you know or you may be looking at eight to 12 weeks. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not really been a source of contention because I think everybody just knows, look, I mean, 
not only has the entire world been hit by it, but like the golf industry has been hit supply chain wise. Every company has just been, you know, really hit hard. And, you know, with the, that other factory, main factory closing in Vietnam two weeks ago, you know, put another big dent in it, but you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. And it's like, I tell people, it's like, you know, if you, uh, if you're in line at the drive-thru, you know, you got two choices. You can either stay in line and go get food or you can get out of line and don't get it because it, there's no way to cut in line. So if you're going to get it, you might as well stay there and go ahead and put it in and get as much to the front of the line as you can and then stay in that position. So pretty much everyone is understood it. And it's like, you know, hey, you know, we wanna, we're going to get it. We know we got to wait. Know. so it's uh it's been a little bit of a challenge just because we don't really you know we like to build everything yeah and it's just really hampered that side of us and the reason we like to do that is just because you know we got two uh expert tour builders that are on the site so just one of those things of taking it the extra mile and, and building everything there we can but this year has taken that away from us, but it's okay. Hope we will get it back, you know, by the first or second quarter of 2022, and hoping we can rock on and never look back. Ain't that the truth? Uh, uh, I'm feeling exactly what you're saying. And uh, look, the experience though, and what you're going to come out of it with, makes it well worth the wait. You know, product-wise and experience-wise. I know that's why people are still lining up, as you say, to to, to get there. Um, I'm just going to share the, that that. Uh, website with people that's Reynolds Lake Oconee and Oconee is spelled O-C-O-N-E-E uh, plenty of other stuff to do there too when you get to the kingdom you can do a bunch of other stuff you can of course play some really stellar golf there but um, if you start your experience at the kingdom I think you're setting yourself up for success for the rest of your trip um, and Sean thanks so much for uh, taking the time man and uh, look I can't wait to get back down there you know I've been doing minimal travel and uh didn't come to Augusta this year, but uh, God willing and the crick don't rise, I'll be down next year and I'll be sure to stop by uh, on the way to or from uh, to see what you got going on, brother. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. I enjoyed it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, that is Sean yes. Candy, the executive director of the Kingdom at Reynolds Lake Oconee. Again, you've got that great facility. You've got all their capability. You've got all that talent that's there, and you can take it out to play six different championship golf courses. By the way, you can post up at a Ritz-Carlton facility, which is uh, located there that's part of um, the Reynolds Lake Oconee complex. Uh, you have fishing. You have uh, trapping, uh, uh, sporting clay shooting, which is kind of my thing. Um, everything they do is kind of world-class there. If you haven't been there, it's kind of one of those places that's sort of an insider's thing. But uh, once you go, um, you will certainly enjoy it. And you may or may not tell a friend, depending on how close of a friend they are. But it is a stellar place, and you won't want to miss it. And sort of the anchor for that experience for us gearheads is uh, the kingdom. So don't miss it. Uh, call them. Operators are standing by. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more golf and stuff. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRX. Welcome back to the 19th hole, Michael Williams, your host. And uh, I've always said to people that uh, I really like it when people say that, hey, I'm a golfer and I like this show. And I like it even more when people say, I'm not much of a golfer and I like this show. That really pleases me because this show is all about those things that are not only about what's only what's going on in the PGA Tour, the LPGA and Ryder Cup and all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. There's plenty of guys who cover that stuff and they do it well. I think I do it pretty well too, but my favorite thing to do is to talk about those things which make golf and life in general in general more, enjo more enjoyable. And uh, one of those things is a really 
quality cocktail. Yes, I am biased. I do like a good quality cocktail. Bit of a barfly, am I? And uh, I was uh, particularly uh, pleased to see this announcement from the PGA Tour this week. Uh, the PGA Tour announced a new multi-year marketing sponsorship with Tito's Handmade Vodka, the newly minted official vodka of the PGA Tour and PGA Tour champions. Uh, the five-year sponsorship will be highlighted by branded experiences at PGA Tour tournaments, including uh, featuring exciting new activations and signature cocktails crafted for fans. That would be me. I fall into that category of fan. I like cocktails that are crafted for me. So I thought it'd be fun to have some folks who know a bunch about this whole thing. So joining me today are two folks who are intimately familiar with uh, Tito's Handmade Vodka. Please welcome Taylor Barry, the head of marketing, and Brian Petruccio, the customer marketing manager from Tito's. Boys, thanks for joining me in the 19th hole. How are you? Good. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, my pleasure. And congratulations on the deal with the uh, with the PGA Tour. Before we dive into that, I want to get a little background on Tito's because Tito's went from like zero to global domination in kind of a short period of time. I know that, you know, I remember there were days when there was not Tito's on the shelf and now you can't even imagine going into your local package store and not seeing Tito's on the shelves. Um, give me a little bit of background. Where did it get started? Um, uh, what was the what was the impetus for starting yet another vodka company and how the heck did you get it to grow so fast? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty wild story. Um, I can probably tell it in 45 minutes, but I don't think we got the time for that. So I'll go, I'll go through. I'll That's go for my other podcast. Quick, uh... OK, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can do we can do a whole episode on on the Tito story. No, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, yes, it seems like it's such a short period of time. Next year is going to be our 25th anniversary. So mm -hmm. it's it's been kind of a grind. I mean, at least for the first kind of decade and a half or so. Um, you know, the, the company was started in 1997 and it's founded by um, Tito himself. His name is Tito Beverage, which um, if that's not destiny, wow. I'm not sure what is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, he he is a sixth generation Texan, um, was studying to be a, a geologist and geophysicist, you know, did some stints uh, in the oil business down in South America, came back to the United States, did some uh, started an oil company that went bankrupt, started doing mortgages. Uh, and, you know, in mid nineties, he was broke. And so as a, as a Christmas present, he started putting habaneros into cheap vodka bottles and gifting it to his friends. Um, and people actually started liking it and started kind of referring to him as the vodka guy. And so kind of got him starting to think about, you know, what he was doing with his life. Did he really like selling mortgages and saw this late night television show that basically said, if you want to find your passion, you draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper on one side, you write. What am I good at? And on the other side, it's what do I love to do? And so there's a bunch of different things. And at the intersection of that, he's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a social guy. I'm good at math. I'm a problem solver. Maybe I just go and start making vodka. Um, so that's kind of how it was how it was born. He started thinking about doing flavors. The you know bar bar, bar owners would say there's too many flavor vodkas out there. So he's like, I'm going to make something that's so smooth uh, you can drink it straight. So goes to the library, gets a bunch of pictures of old moonshiners. Um, and, and basically Jerry rigs his first pot still out of two Dr. Pepper kegs and a turkey fryer. Unbelievable. And uh, it's, 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 it's crazy. And I, you know, he built, he got this plot of land out in, um, right up or it's in within Austin, but kind of, you know, out there in, in the boonies. And, um, he, he built this shack just tested different recipes for months and months and months with his friends landed on corn because um, he liked the sweetness of it and then Tito's was born and it's like I, you got to think I mean it's, it's pretty daring I think you know to to you know to your point there's so many vodkas out there and then to just say I'm going to make one that's made in Texas I mean on top of that Tito's is the first legal distillery in Texas which is hard to believe given that there's probably over 400 in Texas now you should see my um, face right now are you kidding me <laughs> it's I mean, you think of you think of Texas, right? You think of whiskey and all these different things, and it's actually Tito's that brought you know the the distillery scene to to Texas in the first place. And that's only because Tito basically read through the code and was like, you know, saw that they basically told him he can't start a distillery. He's like, there's nothing in this code that says that I can't start one. So he started it and then funded the whole thing himself because no one would invest and took out 19 credit cards and 
Um, you know, here we are today. <laughs> that's a that's a quick fast forward from 1997 to 2021. But um, I mean, I think you know the other part of your question is what's the key to this kind of rapid growth and success and i think above all it's our fans you know i think when you look at kind of some of those early days and people trying it for the first time they would go back to you know their their hometown and ask their bartender ask their local restaurant like i tried this vodka tito's you gotta start carrying it and that just kind of became uh more and more common and we had all these like great avid fans and then they just kind of brought it from city to city um and I think that coupled with, you know, the kind of whole craft movement that I feel like is, is largely started by Tito's um, on the on the spirit side. It was just kind of this confluence of, of events that kind of took us to this to this growth. You know, you couple that with the fact that it's just a really well made product at a at a good price and you got a, a good recipe for success. Uh, I, I, I honestly, I'm going to start a new podcast called WTF. Okay. Like exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> That's based and the, the first episode is going to be about the fact that Tito's was the first legal distillery in Texas. I mean, that's just, that just blows my mind. That's incredible. Um, so I know a, a little bit about spirits, but I know what I don't know. So Brian, I'm going to throw this at you. Um, I know sort of what defines, um, like bourbon and I know what defines, uh, scotch whiskey and that sort of thing <clears throat> what defines vodka because i some people think okay vodka is made out of potatoes you just said tito's is made out of corn what what actually is vodka yeah i mean the the base definition that's been around for years is a, a tasteless odorless spirit but i think you know to taylor's point and taylor feel feel free to hop in if you want to kind of go into some of the details is you still there are differences there are differences in how they can be made there are differences in the quality and i think tito's has that premium quality taking the time to really craft something that stands stands separate from something else that, that may be out there and, and that's what really differentiates it um as a spirit as a vodka and why we have such a loyal consumer fan base because you know once you try it you're you're hooked and and it's it's something that you can really gravitate toward and you want to be a part of that story and that buildup that's been happening over the past, you know, couple of decades. Right. Taylor. So is I, there, I was going to ask you, know, so, so it could be made out of, you know, essentially any, anything, right? It, it, pretty it much. I mean, I, you know, I think you kind of look around I, most, you know, common ones that we think of are probably made of wheat yet. You're, you're right. Potatoes, another big ingredient. Some vodkas are made out of um, grape. I've seen ones made out of quinoa lately. Um, so really, you can kind of make it out of anything. I think it's kind of it boils down to one, the base ingredient, which I think the corn side of Tito's gives it like this slight sweetness, which people seem to to like, especially, um, you know, in kind of more, um, you know, spirit forward uh, cocktails. Mm -hmm. But the, the big differentiator, I think, of Tito's is the fact that it's distilled in a pot still. And most vodkas are distilled in a column still. And um, when you think of a pot still, pot still is what, like a, a French cognac or a Scotch uh, whiskey is is distilled in, and so it's much more labor intensive because um, you know you have to go through and you cut the heads and the tails, you take the heart of the run, and we do we you know you go through that multiple multiple times. So ultimately, what you end up with is just kind of what we call the heart of the run, and it's it's you know just the kind of the best stuff. Um, and then you know and and that's kind of the whole value proposition of Tito's, I guess. You know, it's like this simple bottle, this modest paper label. And really all you're paying for is what's, you know, the good stuff that's on the inside of the bottle. Hmm. Hmm. Right. I mean, it's funny that you say that because that's one of the things that I do associate with vodka and marketing is like all of these uh, sort of really fancy, distinctive bottles that um, you know, really are, are showing off bottle technology, but not necessarily anything that has to do with anything <laughs> in, inside of the bottle. And uh, I can attest firsthand that Tito's is first rate. Um, we're talking to uh, Taylor Berry. And uh, Brian Petruccio of Tito's Handmade Vodka, listening to the 19th hole, Michael Williams, your host in Sherpa. Um, so the, again, congratulations on the deal with the PGA Tour. Um, how did that all come together to be the official vodka of the PGA Tour? Uh, please tell me you met in a bar and started talking about it. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish that was the case. Um, you know, it's we we there's so many similarities between uh tito's and the pga i think especially when it comes to um uh, the philanthropic space 
Um, the PGA is one of the most philanthropic organizations in the United States, and we've had philanthropy at the forefront of our organization um, since we started. Um, I mean, we do, I think, something like you know over 10,000 um, philanthropy events a year. So that was kind of the first you know magnet to the PGA, and so we started we started working um, with some of their co-sanctioned events uh, a few years back. And as we started kind of doing that in different markets and, and kind of doing more and more events each year without actually being the official vodka of PGA, um, we started we started kind of seeing, you know, again, all these similarities between our organizations. And um, right before uh, March 2020, uh, we just, you know, had a casual meeting with them and, and it was just you know, sometimes you, you go to these these kind of business meetings and it's just easy, right? And you yeah. just get along yeah. and you realize that there's just like there's there's so many similarities and and you know we all took our time and and kind of analyzed what was going on. And I think you know there's when you think about golf, it's 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 a great sport for for a brand like Tito's because outside of bowling, it's really the only other sport that is uh it's not frowned upon to have a cocktail while you're playing it <laughs> and so <laughs> so there's there's that aspect of it right and and then you know over the past year and a half we were taking a look at golf and it's just crazy how many people have joined and, and started playing the sport and you know, we've always prided ourselves again with this kind of you know good product at a at a good price and kind of being something that's available to everybody you know, all of a sudden golf started taking on a little bit of a new persona uh, where it was it became more accessible to all these different people that were willing to, to pick up a club over the past year and a half. I think over three million people started playing golf over the last year and a half. So um, we kind of saw that. And we're like, this is this is kind of the best opportunity to start really, really digging our heels into golf and and kind of making it feel accessible and, and bringing what was once something that was reserved you know, for a country club to kind of the masses. And I think you kind of see around the internet and, and different people's opinions, but people want this sport to grow. And I think we want to be a part of that growth. And obviously the PGA is quite possibly the best partner we could have in terms of uh, that as, as a joint mission. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, and I think too, Taylor, uh, sorry, go ahead. Michael. No, no, please go ahead, Brian. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, I think too, to add to that, you, you look at the, how the game is moving and even how the PGA tour is, is kind of embracing this all encompassing. It's more of a lifestyle. Now at this point, golf is becoming more than just a sport. It's a lifestyle. And it really isn't necessarily for, for all of us. It's not about being as good as the pros. We love the pros and we love watching the pros, but it's more for us about enjoying the game and kind of having fun with friends and really diving in at your own pace. So I think what we joke around internally with is, you know, at Tito's we're definitely good with pars and birdies, but there's really nothing wrong with, you know, a few mulligans, you know, teeing it up again or giving your buddy some gimmies on three or four footers. There you go. I mean, this is this is the way I came into the game, right? I came in at a golf course where uh, we in our golf courses, we had two 18s and, uh, you know, we played we would service 200 over 200,000 rounds a year, you know, at this one facility. And it was all about it's always for me always been about having fun about enjoying the experience because it's four to six hours out there if you're not enjoying it what are you doing you know what you can do, <laughs> exactly you can literally do anything else so you should be enjoying it and I, I i love that we have brands that come in that get that you know there there's plenty of room for the prestige brands and i get that sort of thing and the affluence and the demographic that uh uh, marketers typically chase with golf, but now people, and I think brands like yours are actually bringing people to the game. Do you find that people now who enjoy themselves with Tito's and that like to enjoy themselves are saying, Hey, let me just try golf. And, and you're actually building a bridge for other people to walk across to get to the game. That's exactly what, what we're going for. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to what we're going to be doing from an activation perspective on the tour um you know i think we're trying to bring some of that that liveliness and and fun and and give people opportunities to have this this uh respite on on the course of just you know just have being casual and, and having a good time i i love it I, I just love the concept so um let's get down to brass tacks and talk about some uh some of these signature cocktail recipes um i'm going to throw this one at you brian as customer marketing manager i imagine you've uh, stirred up a few cocktails for people on site uh, <laughs> um 
what what have been uh uh the what's been from from the public what have been some of the favorite tito's recipes that uh people are enjoying out there yeah i mean i think it, it's funny that we've been talking about our approach to golf overall and i think that that same approach translates down to the course favorites for mm. for folks who are out there enjoying the game and having a tito's cocktail i think you'll find that a lot of the favorite drinks out there are really the basics the bloody marys the lemonades the tito's and soda i think the goal of our brand and how consumers interact with us is to still have great tasting cocktails, but they should be approachable. They should be enjoyable. They should be something that people can have on the course and then feel comfortable making at home or enjoying elsewhere. And I think that, you know, those basics are, are a great place to start. One that I do want to call out specifically is a, a drink that's near and dear to, uh, to many golfers and, and definitely the folks here at Tito's and has sort of been this, uh, the course's best kept secret for some time now is the uh, the Tito's transfusion, and mm. you know Tito's the vodka being the go-to ingredient uh, of choice there, paired with ginger ale and grape juice, and it's it's definitely unique. It's a uh, it's something that you know those who love it uh, know have known about it for years. They they go to the courses and enjoy it. Those who don't, you know, hopefully they soon will. Uh, I think we're we're expanding the push of that cocktail solution and trying to branch it out to more people to to have some fun on the course with. Yeah, you know, I have seen a number of transfusions consumed by my friends and colleagues. And um, they, I mean, I, I think they should be ordered like two at a time. I, I, my thing is, I've never seen anyone just get just one of those things. It's always like, oh, can I have another? Maybe you should actually call the, the drink, you know, another. Because like, you know, can I have another? Can I have another? <laughs> it's, it's just... <laughs> well, I mean, they taste great. They're easy to drink. And, and I think part of it, too, is they, they could certainly help you move on from, from maybe a three-putt you just had on the last screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, it definitely makes the... Uh, uh, the, the, the big numbers go down a little easier. Definitely. Um, yeah, I'll have to try out a couple of those. What's, what's your favorite, my favorite uh, drink. And I'll just share this. My favorite drink that has, uh, uh, vodka other than just uh, pure, just like vodka on the rocks. And Tito's is perfect for that. Just simple, classic. And you, all you get is just that, that enjoyment, that, that it's almost a feeling as well as a taste, you know, that you get from it. It's sort of tactile. Um, no, I don't drink much. Um, but the, Michael, uh, do you want to do you want to do you want a job at Tito's? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> that, that was that was perfect. That was, that was elegantly put there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, my favorite drink is uh, the Vesper, uh, which is uh, the way I do it. It's uh, equal parts gin and vodka, splash of Lillet, dash of uh, orange bitters, uh, stirred, pour into mar chilled martini glass, garnish with a um a bit of uh lemon lemon zest it is uh james bond's drink i'm a big james bond fan happened to be born on james bond's birthday the actual character november 11th good bar there you go there. wow and um yeah so that's my thing what do you guys have a favorite do you, your personal favorite i'd say Ooh. for me uh, i'd say for me I'm on the course uh, i'm Day, day parted out. I mean, in the morning, there's nothing like kicking off around with, with a good Tito's Bloody Mary. And then you know, as you move into the afternoon, you maybe start hitting the transfusion. Um, but I, I'd, ag I'd agree with you, Michael. I, I'm, from a James Bondish perspective, I, I do love a, a good uh, dirty martini. Sweet. Brian, how about you? Um, being from California, <laughs> I love a good uh, margarita. Nice. And surprisingly enough what we call a tito rita the little jalapeno in there is quite possibly my favorite drink what and it might it might sound odd but go and go out and try it because it is so good so refreshing i mean it's essentially like a gimlet with some jalapeno in it but you, you know when you're feeling like you're having a tito rita it's a little it's a little bit different well it almost comes full circle doesn't it you know back to the origins of uh Tito doing his thing with the vodka and the habanero. Now you're doing it with the jalapeno. So, you know. Exactly. It's, it's um it, it, it's all just this uh virtuous cycle, we'll call it. Yeah, that 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 works for me. All right, so I'll throw one out there to both both of you as you as we close. Um is there a players? Now you're working with the PGA Tour and we have obviously the best players in the world out there. Um is there a player who each of you think uh whose swing or the way they game, their style of play um, sort of matches up to how you think of uh, Tito's as a style of spirit. 
Brian, I'll let you take it first. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, I got, yeah, I got to think about that. I think without naming names, if we could create a if we could create a golfer that was Cheetos, I'd think consistency and quality, and that that might that might hit a bunch of people out there now. I think obviously this week's the the Tour Championship. I think anybody in that top thirty field it better be consistent mm. and uh, have some quality shots. Uh, you know, I, I'd say that it's, it's kind of like what you see uh, on Instagram sometimes or online where you're like, who's this perfect golfer and what would you take from each player? I'd, I'd take consistency, quality. Um, and I think, too, somebody who, who doesn't necessarily take themselves too seriously and, and can have a good time out there. I think that's that's what we are as a brand and that's how we translate to the course. So if I could, without naming names, that that's my perfect golfer if you had to create a Tito's handmade vodka golfer. I think that's a that's a great one. Actually, that's a, that that's a thing we should do as a graphic, like build the perfect golfer, the pieces of that. The team. <laughs> uh, but what do you think, Taylor? Do you have a name in mind? Because I have a name in mind. Uh, I'm going to throw them out there, but I'll let you get a shot at it first. Or you want to go with the uh, do you want to go with the building the perfect uh, beast analogy? <laughs> I, I think that was that was well said, Brian. But um, I don't know. I think just in terms of our approach to golf. And kind of what's uh, someone who's kind of emblematic of kind of where we're trying to go. I think like Will Zalatoris is probably a good name. Um, just kind of someone that's yeah, I we I just think he's great, young guy, like having fun out there. You know, interactive with with the the game and his fans. Um, and it just it, you know, it's kind of that easygoing vibe that I think that we're going for. You know, and I call the kid a uh, thrill Zalatoris. You know, because he's just like, just. <laughs> Uh, a highlight film, and he's also basically shaped like a martini glass. So <laughs> there's about there's that thing too. But, but the guy, I, I'll throw it out there. The guy who I was thinking of is my boy, who's just like you're saying. He's excellence. He's got no pretense about him. Um, he is fun. When you, he's just smooth as silk. Uh, absolutely consistent. And when he's around, you know, everyone around him is always smiling. And that's my boy Louis Easthaven. Um, uh, he's a friend of mine and he's just, it's been great to see him have such a great year. I know he came up year. He came up just short in a, in a couple yeah. of events where we would love to have seen him be able to close it out. But, um, he is the single best golfer I have ever played with in person. Um, and, um, it's sort of effortless excellence. That's not intimidating. So some people who are, there's some things that are excellent and they keep you at a distance. And there's some things that are excellent that pull you in. And I think that uh, that sort of exemplifies Louis, and maybe kind of uh, exemplifies Tito's handmade. That's my shot at it, anyway. So there you go. I, I like I, effortless excellence. That, that's that's a nice combination of words there. And I, I mean, Louis too. I, every time you watch him play, the guy's always smiling. No matter where he is in the standings, no matter what kind of pressure he has coming at him at the next hole, smiling through and through every single hole. Yeah, and I can tell you that uh, what you see on the golf course, that that thing that you see. That's the same way if you're sitting down having a hamburger, if you're going to a charity thing on the golf course. That's that's just who he is through and through. And um, yeah, that's that's it. He's transparent, much like Tito's. He's just transparent. I like that. Um, so I'm going to shut down my inner Don Draper uh, right now and say thanks. <laughs> uh, but thanks, thanks so much, you guys, man. It's been such a pleasure. Again, congratulations on um, 25 years of success, by the way. And also on this deal with the PGA Tour, um, if people want to get to know uh, Tito's Handmade a little more intimately, I'm sure you have someplace on the interweb where you can send them, no? Yep, Tito's Handmade, or sorry, titosvodka.com. Wow, Tito'sVodka.com and at Tito's Vodka on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Oh, beautiful. I enjoyed that. Uh, well, guys, again, thanks so much for taking the time. There's uh, nothing I enjoy more than talking about booze in the first half of the day. So um, thanks for giving me an excuse to do so. And I'm uh, going to go run out to my local package store and restock right now. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got thanks it, for having us, Michael. Cheers. You got it. Thank thanks, you. Michael. That's Taylor Berry, Bye. head of marketing, and Brian Petruccio. Uh, Petrocio, uh, customer marketing manager for Tito's Handmade Vodka. Uh, again, this is a product, I, I mean, I've seen it go from zero to global domination. That's the only way to put it. And that's sort of the go-to for so many people, so many professionals, bartenders, they always have it uh, available. And um, it's, um, I mean, those stories just fascinate me um, that when you have a product that starts from these humble beginnings and reaches success 
and they get the success but still keep the humility. Um, that, that appeals to me in so many ways. So why don't you go out and get you some and um, see if you don't agree. Okay? Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break. Come back with more golf and stuff. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRX. Well, that's it, and that's all for this edition of the 19th Hole. I want to thank our guests, uh, Sean Kane from the Kingdom at Reynolds Lake Oconee. Can't wait to get my hands on a couple of those uh, tailor-made wedges and see if that can make them zip back like the boys on the tour do, DJ, Justin Rose, etc. Um, also want to thank uh, the boys from Tito's Handmade Vodka. Did a great job talking about the product, talking about the partnership with the PGA Tour. Makes me want to go out and uh, get myself a cocktail. Hope it has the same effect on you. You can get this podcast and all the great podcasts at Golf WRX on the aforementioned GolfWRX.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, and a host of other destinations where quality podcasting can be found. Um, again, thank you for joining. Um, it's always great. We do this all for you. We'll see you again next week with another show. In the meantime, go out and hit some balls, hit them very, very straight. But above all, especially on this Labor Day weekend, which I wish you the happiest of, don't count the days. Make the days count. Michael Williams, 19th hole, golf, WRS.